This is Nancy Reinbold. It is February... What, 23? No, 23? 23, something 23 like that. Today. Yeah, 23. And I am conducting a second interview with George Farwell at his home at 37 Mason Road in Brookline, New Hampshire. We're on. <laughs> so what are we talking about? Yeah. We're not talking about well, um, we were talking about, well, one of the things that I really wanted to talk about was your experience as a bus driver for high school kids. Um, and you can tell me all the funny stories you want, but no names. <laughs> no, I can't tell you too many funny stories, but I, I did run a very strict bus. And I felt it was my responsibility to get the kids to and from school. And I didn't want any interference from anybody else, including school boards or anybody else. I'll bring my complaints to them and they act on them. That's the way I had it. I hoped I had it anyway. And I, uh, well, I guess I won't want to mention that one because I'd have to mention the name in order to do it. So, but anyway, I ran the buses for 20, well, between the local bus and the bus in the high school who was involved with the busing for 27 years. <clears throat> and we, in that 27 years, we ran the botanical garage, which we had built from after the Second World War. And we took on the bus deliveries sometime in, in the 50s, I believe it was. And we continued through the 60s and through the 70s, I guess. Yeah, to get that many years, we'd have to. But anyway, in that in that time period, we ran as many as five because we had a contract in Mason, as well as long as as well as in Brookline. We ran five buses, as many as five buses, in that period of time per year. And we ran the, the five buses and never owned a spear bus. And never had a breakdown, never lost a day of school. Now there was a lady in town that was involved with the Brookline Sanitary Landfill. She came and wanted me to take over the maintenance of the uh, compactor, so on and so forth, at the dump. And I told her she'd have to give me a day or two to think about it, which she did. And she came back and I said, no, I guess I'm not interested because I got more work now than I can handle and I'm not going to hire somebody to, 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 to do some of my extra work. So I'd rather do what we can do and keep our costs down and continue on the same basis until I retire, which I did. So she had to find somebody else for her maintenance, which I guess she did. And I appreciate the fact she came and asked us, but it just was more than I wanted to take on. So as far as the buses go now, the kids are kids. And there's some that are, some that are reasonable and some that are not. Some think they're pretty much smarter than we are. And they might be, I don't know. But there were certain things I wouldn't let them get away with anyway. And I made them pay a penalty, and I used to make them walk. And then the state put on the 
put an article in the legislature to make an RSA pertaining to what the penalties could and couldn't be. And one of them they took away from me because I'm sure that we was using it and it was successful. And it worked. Today it probably wouldn't, but back then it did. And we uh, had to drop that, which didn't help us any at all, but to keep discipline. And they kept, they kept taking it away from us, kept taking it away from us. And they finally I said, you keep taking it away and you're going to get somebody else. Well, they kept taking it away until they got somebody else. So I said, no, I was all done. We, we quit in the late 70s, but we had a five-year contract. And I think it took us around 80 or 81, something like that, to finalize. And we did finalize it. We told them, we told them about three years ahead that we were not going to bid on it again. And don't come begging us because we're not going to, we're not interested. We're all done. And they did, they came and asked us to reconsider and said no. But if you check back in the records, you will find that I think the, the contract, we were paying us somewhere around 46, give or take a little, $46,000 a year. I'd have to get out the, the books to get the figures down. But that's close enough. And then when it jumped the very next year, Hollis, Doug Ord took it over. I think I'm right with Doug Ord, it was with the Ords that took it over. And uh, the price jumped, not that this is his fault, the price jumped from 46, roughly $46,000 up to fifty-seven or $8,000 in one year's time. And it continued up ever since. I don't know what they pay now. So you can see what, we was doing it pretty reasonable, at least reasonable enough, so somebody else thought they wanted at least, what, 20% more? 25% maybe? I don't know. Figure it out. I get a piece of paper. So we quit. And that, uh, but when I, I was not, I was not hard on the kid, at least I didn't think I was hard. And I meet some of my students now in Charlotte North, North Summer. Yeah. I meet him now, and the first thing they'll come to me and said, I remember you, you were my bus driver. <laughs> yeah. I said, yeah, you made you behave yourself, didn't I? I said, yes, you did. Yeah. But there was nothing, nothing personal, nothing personal in my discipline at all, not, absolutely nothing. I said, you, you get caught screwing around on the rules that I've already laid out. I said, you get caught, caught screwing around with them, I said, and you're going to pay the penalty. That, and you know what that's going to do? It's going to cause you to walk. And uh, if you want to walk, fine. You know what to do. Better than I do. <laughs> but I don't think any of them, Nancy, I don't think any of them hated me for that. No. These, these kids that talk to me today, I remember Bonnie. Bonnie, she comes in. Bonnie love you. And she comes to me and she says, I don't hold it against you at all. She says, we deserved it, she said, and she said, and I was one of them niggas, we got to put on. Well, she's a school teacher now. No, she's oh, a teacher. she was. She yeah, she, yeah, she went into school teacher. She retired. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine she probably used my name many times yeah. in the school teacher, you know. You too bad you didn't have to drive or ride under this man. I mean, he might have made you a little different about tolerance or discipline. Yeah. And this will get edited out because it's a personal opinion. Um, but this constant taking away of they've taken 
everything away from the teachers. Yes. My attitude was I went through that education. I, well, I never expected to teach, but as it turned out, I was I did become a teacher. And through the years, the last couple of years, the things that we were not allowed to do. Mm. You know, when I was in Pennsylvania, the kids would come into the room, and I need a hug. Half of them called me mom, and if something was going wrong, and it was at home usually. You know, mm. and but you can't even look at a kid. No, I think you're right, Nancy. I, I think. If you keep the politicians out of it, it would be a, lo be a lot, hell of a lot easier yeah. and a lot smoother. Mm -hmm. But they can't. they got to leave the party. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's okay. It'll be edited, I promise. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't somebody's name. Well, now they want anybody that wants a gun that can buy it and carry a concealed weapon without a license. Well, you, but you should do that any, You can do that in any way in New Hampshire. Oh, well, I know, but... but uh, can you imagine a teacher standing but in front of the classroom wondering how many of her students are... When it comes to gun laws, the only thing gun laws do is keep the honest person honest like me. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. The, cook, the cook's going to get it. If he wants a gun or a firearm or a knife or whatever it is, he's going to he find a way to get it. Mm -hmm. And they do get it. There's mm -hmm. no question about yeah. it. Yeah. So, so come on, if you're going to do something with a gun law, I don't know what the answer is. I it's not mm -hmm. my job to find out either. It's the politicians' job, because they're the ones who going to vote on it, not me. Yeah. If it wasn't, maybe I'd get involved, but they don't want to hear anything I got to say. They only want to hear something that gets them a vote. That's true. People that's see that's them. true. Okay, getting back to the bus, can you think of any stories that you can tell me about anything that happened while you were... First of all, you said you had five runs that you did. Five buses. Yeah, five buses. Now. Where were these kids from? Were they all from Brookline? No, we and had, where did you take them? We took all the Brookline students. We took either to the Brookline schools here, mm -hmm. and then the extras, whatever it was, it was mixed in. Mm -hmm. Which they have the same system today, I think. Mm -hmm. Pick up, they both are mixed in. Mm -hmm. And we would go to Hollis. Uh, first, we'd go to Nashua. Mm -hmm. We left uh, Milford and went to Nashua, and we started that in the fifties. I think it was the 50s, wasn't it? Yeah, in the 50s. I went to Milford, and then we left Milford and went to Nashville because Milford got plugged up with too many kids, so they had to get rid of somebody, and we were one of them. And uh, so we went to Nashville, Nashville took us. And I went to Fairgrounds Junior High, and we went to the Senior High, which is on, oh, I can't remember the name of the road. Well, you know where the Senior High is mm -hmm. in Nashville, anyway. But we went. First of all, we took some of the kids, I take it back, we went to Spring Street when we first went to Nashville. That's out and back off the left of, mm -hmm. on each side of Main Street, I think the post office, post office is, is out in there too. And that's where we used to go. And we went there for a few years, not very many. Then they switched us over to the new school on Fairgrounds, which is the southwest section of Nashville down there by Howard Johnson, behind Howard Johnson, mm -hmm. that block down in there. And that's where we took them for a long time. Then we left Fairgrounds and Nashville High School and came to Hollis. And that was in the late 70s? Probably I believe that's correct. In the late 70s. I can't give it a year without some book here to go by. But I'm, cl I'm close on it anyway. And that's where, we, that's where we finished out. Of course, we're still going to Hollis today, but uh, that's where we finished out. We went through that transition of, from uh, 
Well, we, we wasn't directly involved at the first transition from Milford to Nashville. But we went from Nashville to Hollis, which we are now still at in Hollis. At, uh, and I don't want to comment on that. One way or the other. Might get somebody mad at you because <laughs> I'm going through uh, another one of those time stress stages where things are going to change, no question about it. I think they're going to have to. Well, that's have true. To. Yeah. Off the record, uh, years ago, I, right before Barry and I got married, there was an incident in State College, Pennsylvania, where a kid threw something and hit the bus driver in the back of the head. I wonder if there wasn't an accident. And you know what they did? They closed down all the buses. They would, I forget how long it went on, they just did not have any buses running for the high school. The kids had to find their own way there. And <coughs> it's, it's bad. But any funny things you can remember? I'll give, I'll, give you one, I'll give you one quick story. I'm just thinking of one day that maybe I can do it without giving names, but there is one of the, <laughs> one of the boys that, that's still alive and, I, and in this area. And he would recognize the incident, but it stemmed over a firecracker, and it uh, these three boys were up in the back seats of the bus, up towards the back. They may not in the very back seats, but up in that area. And they had it all concocted, I guess, what they were going to do on the way in. It wasn't on the bus that I was driving, but it was on a bus that another one of my men was driving. And they decided they'd all be involved in it, so we couldn't. Nobody would have to take the blame alone. So there's three of them. And they lit this firecracker off, and this man in, in my bus, but I wasn't the driver. And it goes on a concealed area that made quite a loud bang, and uh, of course, there's quite a pile of smoke come up. So my driver knew exactly where it came from. So when he came back and told me about it, I said, well, tell me the name of the kids who were sitting back there. Well, I can't right now. I said, well, think. I said, you're driving my bus. I want you to know where the kids, these kids are sitting. So after he thought about it, he decided maybe he didn't know who they were. So he told me who they were. I said, well, oh, he told me about five or six kids that were sitting there. I picked out the three that was responsible just from him telling me who they were. So I said, uh, I'll go see him. So I did, and I told him, I said, you know what the rules are? I said, my, my rules, never mind the school board. Nothing to do with the school board, it's the bus that I'm driving, it's my, it's my responsibility. So I said, due to the rules I set up, it's going to cost you guys a week. You find your own transportation. I don't care how you get to school, but you're not riding my bus. So they, uh, they went along with it. And uh, so I talked to the school board, and this is where Betty comes in on one of them. And she was on the school board at the time. I hope that not unsatisfactory, but anyway, the school board ruled after I had a meeting with them. I had a meeting with the school board and told them what, what had happened. I said, I can't have kids shooting off firecrackers in the back of my bus. I said, the only way to stop it is to make these 
three three boys find their own transportation to and from school for a week. And I would talk to the kids, talk to the parents, and they all agreed. And then they go through, they all change their mind after they get a chance to get together. You know, we pay money, you know, pay tax money for this and this and that. And that's, yeah, for to save safely take the kids to and from school and that doesn't make it right for them to cost somebody else get hurt. So anyway, it went along all right there for a while and finally Buddy Biddy called me one night and said, I want you to let the boys back on. I said, well they haven't saved a week yet. And she said, I don't they don't have to. I said, what do you mean they don't have to? I said the agreement with you and the school board was that you went along with my recommendation at the beginning. Now all of a sudden you change your mind, he asked me up. I said, no, you don't do that with me, buddy. I said, if you want the buses, you take them. You've been on them, and you are. But they're my responsibility, the kids in the bus and everything else. And I'll decide what it is, along with the, the school board's authority. And so she, uh, she wouldn't back down, neither would I. So the kids told me the next day, I said, we're supposed to be able to rise. No, you're not. That's what the school board told you. That isn't what I told you. I said, you're not. you got three, three days to make up. So consider yourself making them up whenever you don't ride. So it's up to you. You know what my mind says. You know what I'm holding to. So they, they did. And I never heard any more from Betty either, but she didn't push the issue. I'm glad she didn't. Because she'd have made a hell of a mess. Because I wouldn't, I wouldn't get it back down. I just, I just take my buses and park them outside and sit until you adopt the rules. In a fair, you don't need me. You need somebody else. So come and get whatever you get. These are my buses because I've got the money invested. And I'll find a way to get rid of them. And uh, so that's the way it ended. But they did pay. They did spend a week. Each one of them spent a week of getting their own transportation to school. All over a firecracker, and they thought it was funny. It was funny. I probably always thought it funny if I'd been involved. Yeah, you couldn't permit that. You have a whole busload of kids that you have to oh. consider their safety, and if you scare the bus driver half to death and he's off the road because of shenanigans. Well, you had to, you, you had to, well, we just carried as many as 60 kids on this bus now. Mm -hmm. When you get three kids, packed in the back section and a firecracker goes off. Some of the kids don't know what's going to happen. No. All of a sudden it happens. And you've got to take all these things into consideration. I, I, just, I just don't want to get involved. I didn't want to get involved with it then. I made a set, I made a rule, mm -hmm. and the kids knew what the rule was. And I handled my end of it. And then the school board gets involved, and they decide they're going to change it. Going to change it to their way. No, you run the buses if you want to run. You hired me. I have a contract. I'm with you. <laughs> so that's how I. And well, there's a lot of other incidents in Nancy, but I can't. I can't get into them without. Without mentioning names. Without yeah. names. Well, I, I have. I've already talked to one of your, your, your former. Customers, <laughs> and apparently. He had been thrown off your bus a number of times. He probably needed and, it. Hmm? He oh, probably I'm, needed sure it. <laughs> I'm sure he did. I'm sure he did. But 
he's full of a lot of stories too that you know he'd be an interesting one to but I'd never be able to get him to just talk about things without bringing up names but um, so this will that what my comments will be edited out um, but I've seen that happen where kids have been allowed to get away with things and there's no consideration for how that affects the rest of the, the classroom or the kids on the bus or you know I'll give you one off the record I don't know whether the, the, the names could be very easily found if you wanted to but I had, I had another one that uh, cut my cut a seat on me I had a number of seats cut and I always used to find out who cut them and make the parents pay for the repair of the seat. And there was three cut one time, it cost me a hundred dollars, had to be fixed. And the three or five seats, kids carry jackknives. Mm -hmm. And uh, just went down the road and just made a great big cut and it cost a seat, spoiled the seat. So anyway, I had that. At that time it cost a hundred bucks. You may remember who it was, but I can refresh your memory. <laughs> but I'm not going to use the name because mm -hmm. it's still in town. But, uh, anyway, the mother believed the kid all the time, and she was getting a little bit dissatisfied with, with me pushing it. And I finally, after about the fifth time I went down, I met with her and her kid. I said, this is the last time coming. I said, if, if, if I can't get the truth out of you this time, and admit to it, because I get witnesses said that they saw you do it. And when I also, they're also juveniles. And they asked me not to mention their name, and I said I would not. So they they may get called before the judge because he don't have a hearing with you kids mm -hmm. in his back chambers, I'm sure. But this is going to go to court, because I'm not going to drop it. So take it from there to his mother and the boy. I said, uh, you, so if you want to own up to it tonight, this is where it's going to end, between you and your parents and the other kids' parents. But if you don't, then I am going to turn it over to the, the courts and the, the judge will have, have you kids in for hearing. Well, I think that I could see the eyes all changing the attitude or reflections <laughs> or whatever you want to call it. And so I... Uh, waited for them to make the next move. And finally, uh, the mother had been so trusting of her son, is that what I want to say? That, to be honest with her, and the kid was never, never, never even the slightest honest with her, none of the slightest bit. So I, uh, so she uh, looked at him, she says, is there anything else you want to tell me now? I think she surmised it. And he said, yeah, he said, I guess I don't need to go before the judge or something to that effect. He said, I'm one of them. And she, went, she almost went bananas. <laughs> she was so mad to think he'd been lying to her all this time. And now all of a sudden he had to eat crow. And it didn't go very big. She, uh, they paid for the seeds, or they and the rest of the kids that was involved. Parents paid for the seeds. That stopped a lot of it. They thought they could just destroy my bus. Gosh, you can't, you can't operate that way. 
So anyway, I got that one straightened out, and then the other one was, you know who it was. He was going to put his kid on the bus, and I said, you put your kid on the bus, or you get on the bus, and I'll have either and both of you arrested. And if you think I'm kidding you, I said, you do it. And the school boy said, they called and told me, they said, you let him on the bus. I said, no, I won't. No way. No. They did something, they got to have, they was cutting the seats, what it was. Destroying property. I said, I'm not going to let him on the bus. Until they paid the penalty. They either paid for the seat, or, or in this case, I think it was two weeks. I kicked him off for of destroying property. And, uh, they would admit to it, so they cost them two weeks. One of them was clerk of court in Nashville. I said, I don't give a shit if he's a judge down there. Same thing, whether he's clerk of court or whether he's a judge, those are my rules and that's the ones he's going to pay for. So they did, and he, I think the boy came the next morning to get on the bus. And I had told all my drivers, don't you let that kid on the bus. If he gets on the bus, don't you move. You stay there, and I'll take care of the situation. And I already had it arranged with the Brookline police sergeant to bring his handcuffs. And he bought them, had them hooked onto him. I guess that's intimidating a little bit, but anyway, they knew what was going on, and the kids, kids knew it too, and they knew that I wasn't kidding. And they, that one incident probably did as much for me as anything could. And I think it was after that when I stopped having the seats cut. It was slowing down anyway. I had it pretty well under control. But I think that ended it when I went through that incident. So don't think it was easy running the buses for fun for 27 years, because it wasn't. But you can't do it with everybody else having their fingers in the goddamn pie. Mm -hmm. you got, if you're going to do it, do it. If you don't, get out of it. And that's exactly what my brother and I felt. We're going to do it, we're going to run it our way. If you want to do it, you bid it off. You do it. Now, were you doing this with Sonny? Sonny and I was together. Well, we was in the garage to be together, so everything was done through the garage. So, and he had his own, he had one bus that he was using himself pretty much under his own personal contract, because he got started with it himself before we got the garage involved. Mm -hmm. We got the garage involved in the, in the bigger buses that were taking the big loads to Nashville. That's when we get because we needed extra help and we needed drivers. We did, we got some good drivers. We was out the drivers that could handle kids, but could also handle our bus. Mm -hmm. And it seems though the school board was only interested in a person that could be a perfect driver as far as discipline goes. Maybe not discipline, but as far as personal feelings or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Just what they did want. But they wanted, the school board wanted to have hearings at night. And I said, I got better things to do than have hearings at night every time a kid does something wrong. That doesn't interest me. Fix the problem when it happens. Not two weeks afterwards with a hearing. That doesn't fix nothing. I wasn't interested. I said, no, I won't do it that way. If you don't want me to do the contract, that's it. Don't forget to take out some of that. Oh, <laughs> I told you it will be edited. I did tell you before about the woman that I became friends with that was a school bus driver back in Pennsylvania. Her kid was late to class one day and she had kicked him off and made him walk over. It was about five miles too. <laughs> he and his friends, I don't know what they were doing, but 
They yeah. weren't behaving. And that's what the, that's this what was years ago. Yeah, that's what they need, Nancy, is, is, is uh, communications with the parents, and, and they, want, they, need to, they need some help from the parents, too. You can't just have the parents say, I told you not to do that. Oh. Well, you have that, and then you also have the parents who always believe the kid. Oh, true. Instead of just sitting down with you or sitting down with the teacher, if there's a teacher involved, um, and getting both sides of the story, um, they don't do it. The kid's right. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, that'll be edited too. <laughs> oh, I, you're right. I could, I could sit here. As I think back now, some of these incidents come to me. I could sit here for Christ's sake for two days and rattle them off for you, but I'm not mm -hmm. going I'm going to spend your time, my time. But anyway, that's, that's some of them, a couple of them anyway. Now what can we do? Okay, let's go back to the fire department. You started talking about that, and the other thing, that, and we don't have to do it today, uh, depends on what time we have, um, talking about Route 13, and you had talked about that and building your business there. I want to talk about more about Route 13 and things that you were involved with, but I'd rather hear about the fire department now. So. <clears throat> well, when I get into the fire department, because I always was active in doing a lot of repair work, fixing, fixing up a lot of the trucks, and we bought a tanker and fixed that up, and I wound up doing most of the work, but that's nothing to do with this here. But this Model T was uh, something that the town bought brand new back in 1919, I guess it was. It's in the town reports. We found it somewhere. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's in the town history too, I think, isn't it? Right. I huh? don't think so. No, because that was after the town history ends in, in 1913? 14, yeah, I think 14, 19, somewhere along there. Yeah. So it would have to be, had to be after that because the Model T in 1919. So it couldn't be in the town history because the town history ended before that. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really matter there, there. Anyway, we we get talking about the 1919 because it was sold. What does it tell? It explains in the story there. It was sold to a man that was starting an antique fire truck building up in Manchester, and he started buying old antiques. And Brookline engineers sold. The 1919 to him, but I don't know, 100 bucks, something like that. And uh, when it comes time to, he passed away with a heart attack shortly after. And, uh, and there was nothing in writing. Bookline engineers didn't get anything in writing. Oh, it was just real. Well, of course, he was gone. And his wife wouldn't accept the fact that they said it there. He said he would give it back or anything. Any reason he couldn't use it or develop it or his. His program fell through, whatever. But he died, so he wasn't there to answer the question. So his wife wouldn't accept the fact that he said that he would give it back. Mm -hmm. So she sold it to a guy up in the northern part of New Hampshire. And he just used it for water in his garden, I guess. Or his fields, corn, whatever. And uh, the thing, well, it's a long, long story. Nancy, those, those type of pumps that you see there, pistons up and down. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
they pump out of a small hole out of a well, and they used to use them in in your well because a lot of the wells had the big, you know, had an opening in the top where you could stick the suction line down through, and they'd suck, oh, probably a hundred gallons out of the well. How much a hundred gallons? Sometimes you haven't got a a cup full. You can't put out a fire, but if you got a pail full, you can put out a fire. Well, this course had probably a hundred gallon tank on it. This one had. This fire truck we're talking about here only had a 50-gallon tank. So 50 gallons isn't much. It doesn't sound like very much anyway. But sometimes it can go a long way if you catch the fire at the right stage. So anyway, he, he didn't clean his strainer, and the sand got into the pistons that pumped the water. And you know what happens then. All your seals go, and everything goes to hell in a handbasket. So he, decided he'd fix it and take it apart, so he took it all apart. And I guess he did it in the summertime, it was warm, and then when it got cold, it was too cold to work on the fire truck, so he just put it in the garage in some baskets. And you read that in the story. But he never did put it back together, and then he lost interest in it, I guess, or something anyway, and it just had all tucked in the back of the barn. And so we was looking for it, and we didn't know where it had gone. Nobody seemed to know where it was. There was a Milford fireman in the northern part of the state, and I can't remember the town now. It tells you the story. And he was in there looking for something from Milford. And he see something that had a red hood, a piece of a red hood short, and hook line on it. And he looked around, he see all this Model T stuff sticking out of boxes and things, boxes and baskets. And he said, you know, he said, that may be that truck that Brookline's looking for. So he came back and told us. So we sent two men up to remember the truck. And they looked at it and said, yeah, that's, that's our old fire truck. So we bought it back. It says in there that the town bought it back. The town didn't buy it back. The firemen bought it back. Bought it back with their own money. And. Uh, and if I remember right, that story reads it, that the town paid to buy it back, and the town did not. Did not try to buy it back. So anyway, we bought it, and it sat in my garage on 13 for two years. In the middle, in the middle of that, so my brother and I could work on it. We, he had, I had the cosmetic part of the truck, I guess, was my part of the, the job, and he had the mechanical part, the engine and the magnetos, and, all the rest of the stuff that went, went along with it. And so he he cleaned the sand out of the engine. He and Ronnie Dinner, he worked for us at that time, cleaned the sand out of the engine, and it was just chuck full of sand, because this pump worked through the engine of the fire truck as well mm -hmm. as helped the cooling system, kept the cooling system cool down, otherwise it would overheated right off the bat. So that was the way, and that's why so much sand got in the engine. It, you have to understand mechanics and how to understand what I'm talking about. So anyway, they cleaned it out, got everything fixed up, and one of the pistons had gone completely on the pump, so we had to get a new piston made. We did that down in Nashville Brass. And we see, we put it back together. The only thing I bought new, as I remember it, was what we call rocker panels. 
if you look between the tires, you see a little gold bar there. Mm -hmm. This is, is what we call a rocker panel there. And that's what, you know, the patches I bought. Everything else I fixed up and did a lot of walling, brazing. I did a lot of brazing on it. I did a lot of fill with brazing for more strength rather than what they call it in there. The, some of that putty they had in those days. But we fixed it up and then I repainted it for them with Imron. And it was a new paint they came out with, but it was a very toxic paint. And not that that's any of my problem today, but if I'd have kept using it, it probably would have been. Mm -hmm. But I, they sent out a leaflet on it, and we stopped using the Imran. Matter of fact, it gets so you couldn't even buy it. It was so dangerous. But anyway, that's what I painted with, and that's still a, and that was in 1970, 76, did it stay there? In the 70s. Well, the, the town bought back the truck paying 1000 in 1973 for the parts delivered in 14 bushel baskets. So it was, it was a few years after we got it back before I got it running, I know that. So, so 76 isn't too far off, so it was in the mid-70s, I guess, when we got it. It may have been 77 or 78, something like that. But it sat in, in the middle of my garage for two years, solid. It, we just, when we had a spare minute from the garage work, we just go and work on the Model T. So they got a lot of work done, absolutely nothing. I never gave a bill. Everything I bought, except for a few parts, the rocker panels, the fire department paid for themselves. The rest of the brazing and small parts, I made up. I made a piece of frame, and the frame was rotted out where the pump sits, and the frame was gone. I don't know how it even, I don't know how the pump even worked. I would have thought it would have, would have busted off, but it didn't. So anyway, I, I, I made a piece of frame for it. I can show you, I'd have to crawl underneath it, I probably couldn't do it today, but I could have showed you where I put, where I made the part. But I know it's there, because I made it. I don't know if anybody else could find it. I know exactly where it is. Anyway, there it is. It's pretty much the story on it. I'd like to take a picture of that, the photo. It still works. And As I knew, they still use it to pump water with. So, so that's some of us little ignorant guys here that are not too smart. We, we managed to get things done. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> there are smarts and then there are smarts. Probably have to wipe the dust off the top of it. Oh, oh I have the perfect answer for that. This is rock and pan we're going to talk about this this pattern right here. It's a little, mm -hmm. that doesn't that's not quite right. That's where about where it goes right across through here. <laughs> You have to see this. When you see the truck sometimes, mm -hmm. look right in there. Mm -hmm. And you see a black rock of I think it's painted black now. <laughs> like the cobwebs up behind there. Oh, we have a cathedral ceiling in, in our living room. It's, so the peak is 17 feet. And way up there, I'm looking at this, but well, you know how tall Barry is. And I said to 
Barry the other day. I said, there's a cobweb up there. <laughs> so he took the, one of my real long dusters that I never use, and, and he's tall enough, he stood up on his tiptoes. And, <laughs> you see, I'm having a little trouble talking because of my breathing problem. Mm -hmm. I have a hesitation in, in my speech. I told you here when you were talking about coming up, I you better make your mind up to come sooner than later because I don't know how much longer I got. Well, I don't think any of us do, but you have to hang in there because I like interviewing you. <laughs> Fortunately, I can edit on the um, so, computer, sorry. and so I, I have really, I have a really good couple of really good photos of your ashtray from the top down. Okay. But because of all the reflections, I didn't get a very good one, you know, because I wanted to get the details of the dragon and that, that uh, sun. Yeah, wait. Can you put it on the edge of the table here, maybe? But the postcard with the writing one. Perfectly clear. Yeah, right. Always. See, I'm getting my shadow. What I do, I can trim it, you know, so it comes in closer. Do you want to get another picture of the, of the ashtray? Yeah, yes, and um, this Put um, the dust on that. <laughs> now you can get a good one. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. What I would like you to do is you were talking about the piece that you made, um, and I would like you to point to it. What's that now? Oh, the, the uh... yeah. I would like you to point to that because that way, when I'm when we we do the uh... if, if you look at the truck down in the station, mm -hmm. it's down there. Mm -hmm. This this hat right under here goes from this fender to this fender back here. It comes right across through mm -hmm. there, and it's and it may be black. Mm -hmm. No, there's one on this side, and there's one over on the other side. Thank you. That, uh, those are the two new parts. I, there was not enough left of them, so I could, uh, it wasn't even worth my waste of my time. So the fire department did buy those, and I, and they bought the whole, they bought a new hose. And I don't know, they had to buy a new piston, but you, those pistons, Right up and down. The best thing to do, Angie, if you're really interested in what I'm saying, look at the truck. Stop in sometime when Scotty's there. Mm -hmm. Scotty will take you down. Tell him that uh, you're writing that as far as the history goes. And he'll take you down and show you. I like Scotty. He's, he's awesome. <laughs> he's, he's, he's too much for the book, though. Hmm? Too much for the book. His, we were at... He'll get better. Um... They did that uh, uh, benefit for the Binghams, 
-hmm. And Barry and I went down to it, and um, all of a sudden, I hear this voice. It's this, this woman saying, I know that voice. I don't know what it is about my voice, but people that haven't seen me for years will turn around and say, I know you. <laughs> and it was his wife, Michelle. She had gone. She was a, a student at Milford High when I was teaching there. Um, but if we could move your ashtray, I think somewhere where I'm not going to get. I'm on it. Yeah. If, if it could be over here, I would like to get it. I have it from the top. I have a really good photo of it from the top. But I couldn't get, I had too many reflections. And hopefully. Uh, if you step inside, you're going to be a problem. I can take it out. A little liquid stuff. It's my own flight. So. I have a good photo of your dog tags. You can. I have a good photo of your dog, two good photos of your dog tags. Dog tag. You know what I'm getting a reflection of now? My sweater. <laughs> I've been sitting right along, I know, but talking so much. Hmm. I'm going to have to get some advice on getting a good photo of that. And the interview will continue. Mm -hmm. The interview will continue next week. <laughs> as long as you're willing to put up with me. Uh, well, we can do something during the day anyway. You want to date this? Um, I think. I know. Well, why don't we just wait on the dates until. I finished talking with you, which would be like 20 years from now. <laughs> I did return your book. <laughs> this is the pocketbook I like to carry. That's all I need. One of my former students gave it to me. He's from Bolivia. And it's about the same size as the thing I was carrying for years and years and years. That um, um, the only other signature I need from you is right down here. Or we can do it whenever. Yeah, the first line right there. Have you done that lately? Hello? You mean as far as taking trips? Mm -hmm. No, last year we went to Costa Rica, and that's Costa probably Rica. our fifth okay. time. And then we went to Panama for the first time. Oh. And uh, yeah, we, we went to Panama. 
I would like to go to Panama, but not anywhere near the canal zone. We've done that. <laughs> yeah. And um, we had a one-day trip on a small boat, you know, a tourist boat, into um, on the canal through the locks. Boring. <laughs> and I don't, maybe it was because I'd done one on a really small ship out on the Columbia River in Oregon which was a whole lot faster, you know, you didn't sit there for hours waiting, and it's like, and so, being the social butterfly that I am, I must have talked to every single person on that, <laughs> unless they didn't speak either Spanish or English. <laughs> but we, we have a plan, uh, we have a trip scheduled for the Canadian Rockies in June. Oh, you'll like that. Oh, I was out there as a kid. A lot of, when Barry and I traveled here in the States, it always seems to be places where I went as a kid and to be back in Yellowstone Park. I was in Yellowstone Park when I was seven. Seven. Remember it very well? And I remember that because my father was in the service. He'd been drafted, in spite of the fact he was 35, married with two kids. And he, when he was um, transferred out to uh, Camp Adair in Oregon, he got permission to take us with him. And so we, and then he had a lot of time because he was driving across. So we saw a lot of things on the way out. My father loved to travel. I mean, he would have spent his whole life traveling. Um, and, and I can remember uh, in Yellowstone, the Morning Glory Pool and the color of it. And we had walked up these steps to get to it. And there was a young couple there, had just gotten married. And he was showing off for his brand new wife. And it doesn't look hot. He stuck his hand in that water. It's lucky he didn't lose his hand. And then when we turned around, there was a mama bear with her cubs coming up across the road. So everybody kind of ran. I mean, you don't mess with, mess with mama bear. <laughs> Not when she has cubs with her. Wow. But, and she was very, I can remember she was a very blonde color. She wasn't dark like mm. some of the others. I mean, any lighter and she would have been an albino. And I also remember my mother always carried fruit when we were traveling. And um, we had a, she had a cantaloupe that had gone a little south. So she threw it out to one of the bears, and the bear sat there with uh, his back up against a tree, sat on his haunches, and, and ate this, this cantaloupe, and then it got the hiccups. <laughs> I could remember things like that. I was oh old enough to be. And I remember wow. VJ Day because, we were, because the guys, the orders had been rescinded. And so my father never did leave the country. You know, the orders were rescinded because he was headed for the South Pacific. Yeah, that's what I was. Yeah, I know. Mm. So, so I'm. So. My brother doesn't yeah, remember any of that, but he's a little younger than I am. I saw something. Oh yeah, take that with me. Oh, Nancy, don't do that. Occupation: service station owner and operator. That's in Brookline. Mm -hmm. Military service. U.S. You, you know what U.S. N.R. stands for, don't you? United States Naval Reserve. Okay. That was to do with the, the time-wise as far as the, the war. Mm -hmm. what, it, what it meant was when you signed that document, you, would, you committed yourself to a, at least a year mm -hmm. and six months into the war, mm -hmm. minimum. That's what you signed. And, and therefore, it just went on forever. In other words, if it took 10 years, it took 10 years. Oh, but well, it wasn't. I always thought it was a two-year deal. You signed no, up for two years, and that no. was the end of it. 
No. You signed up. What you sign up in the Naval Reserve? I don't know how the Army does it. I don't know what the mm -hmm. de designation was. But in the United States Navy, it was Na United States Naval Reserve, and the Reserve stood for that, what I just explained mm -hmm. to you, a year and six months, which means that you had to serve for at least a year, that was the minimum, and six months into the war before you could get out. Now, if the war lasted longer than that, you had to stay longer than that, but only at their request, not at yours. And they didn't really give you much choice. <laughs> That's the way it was with me. That's why mm -hmm. I, I did more than a year and a half. I did a year and what, seven, eight, nine months, something mm -hmm. like that. Just nine, one, two, three, yeah, about nine months. Which is right. I didn't mind. I was going to do a job and did the job and came home. And I did everything that was asked of me. Except for one thing. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I didn't get in trouble, but I could have. And I told the captain, I said, you can do what you want, but I won't do what you ask. He said, I did it once, and I did the job right. And I said, you got a fat-ass colonel sitting in a, or general sitting over there in a lounge, sipping up drinks while we're doing our work out here. And it seems to me the only fair thing to do is when we finish he should be willing to get up from his goddamn cocktails and fly in and peck. But he won't do that. I said, you tell him tomorrow, he'll give you two days to fix, if we find anything wrong, and the chances are he will, because that's part of his job. So he'll do that, and he'll get that already in his mind anyway. So he's going to do that. So he's going to give you probably two days to fix it. And then he won't show up to do the second inspection. And you put this down in writing if you want, and I'll sign it, and I'll bet you five dollars I'll be right. I was absolutely right. And that's the reason I would not sign over. They wanted me to sign over. They wanted me to go to officer's training school. I said, no, you guys don't need me. I can't operate the way you do. And I was only, Chris was only 18 years old at that time. I didn't think I was the smartest thing in the world, but it was, certainly wasn't the most stupid. You're a lot smarter than you give yourself credit for. <laughs> I know smart people when I'm around them. I don't Thank deal you. with dumb people. Thank you. <laughs> I don't have time for them. Pardon? I don't have time for dumb people. <laughs> anyway, well, you get, have you got what you want now with my, my little... Uh, not really, because I think what I'm going to have to do is that I'll talk to, um, I think, Dan Marchek, because he does, he has a little um, a filmmaking studio, and if he can give me, or lend me, not give me, but lend me a, a piece of black, they do a, a folding black thing around, you know, um, to uh, get rid of Gloss. reflections and stuff like that, and I don't even know what I could wear. I would have to have maybe a, a different camera or, or whatever. Anyway, we will figure it out, but I definitely want some pictures of the close-up. But all I'm getting now, last week I got reflections from the windows. And then when I'm standing over there, which you, all you can see is my turquoise sweater <laughs> reflected. This is not what I want. So I will get some advice. I thought next week, if you can put up with me on Monday again, if Monday is okay, 
money with me, that's that's a week away. Well, no, I would talk to you. I would call you on Sunday again. You know, I almost forgot to call you yesterday. (laughs) Yeah, I said to him, right? I said Nancy's going to call you tonight, and Jean got to be what? Oh, it was, and I thought, oh my, I don't know about you, but after after about six o'clock, I kind of. So, so I was surprised that you hadn't called, and all of a sudden the phone rang. So, well, yeah, okay. No, Barry, Barry's very it. good about reminding me of little things like that. Barry is the mathematician and the scientist in the family, and so he remembers everything. And my my creative brain is so far out in in right field somewhere. <laughs> We make an yeah, interesting. We both forget, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> hey, when you get to be as old as I am, you can afford oh, to. God. Well, I would really like to talk to you about the construction of Route 13 and, oh, yeah, and all that involved, and that, of course, ties right in with your your garage. Yeah, well, we built the as I told you, yeah. we built the garage mm-hmm. same yeah. time we built the road, yeah. and we unfortunately, well, I won't say unfortunate. I shouldn't say that. Uh, but fortunately, we knew the knew the plans that the road was going through mm-hmm. before many people did. Ah. At, uh, and, and we got on the ball and purchased that piece of land yeah. and put the business up. But it just shows you we. I came, that's correct. I came home in the second world war. I didn't know what the hell I was going to do. You know, there wasn't that many trades out there in those days. It's mm-hmm. pretty simple. You know, machine shop. Or, I didn't want to go to a machine shop. I didn't want to do that. I was in the plumbing field when I first left, and I was mad when I came back and they wouldn't give me back my job. They wanted to put me in a machine shop. I said, I don't want your machine shop. And I didn't leave here working in your machine shop. I left here working in the plumbing division. And that's what I want to get back into, maybe make it a lifetime job or something. That's what my father but, did. But, it wasn't, but my lifetime job wish was not to be in a machine shop. You know, I'm not going to take that. i I got to be outside. Well, I'd be outside some of the time. Mm-hmm. So anyway, they said, well, 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 we'll get you back out in the plumbing just soon as we can. I said, no, you won't. You take your job, you know what you can do with it. If you need any help, give me a call. You're feisty. <laughs> no, I'm honest. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. But you're also feisty. Well, okay. Whatever. I've been called that and worse. <laughs> anyway. Okay, no more stories because I'm going to shut this off. Oh, you know, the see. editing, the editing is going to be interesting on this. <laughs> we don't need any more stories. Oh, I do. I always need stories. <coughs> I need to 